The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Buono sera, and welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know what to do. We are live right now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, and you can download the POD cast on, on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, wherever you get podcasts, and enjoy us. Enjoy the best Lions talk from the most rated Detroit Lions podcast on the internet. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Newly checkmarked, newly checkmarked, and I got it. I just want the record to show I got it for my compatriot did. The fearless leader at, at Detroit on Lion, Jeremy Reisman. This this is a dangerous topic. I'm not I'm not sure we want to walk down this uh, this road here because uh, oh, well, we will. This is a uh, this is an exclusive club that might not include all three of us. <laughs> Who could we possibly be talking about? Well, to bring you that in, let's talk to third man Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P.O.D. How's it going, Ryan? It will likely be the last time that I do a uh, podcast with the feds. <laughs> you don't understand once i got that blue check mark like there was a whole bunch of tweet drafts that opened up it's like these are the these are the these are the spicy takes these are the glenn glary glenn gary glenn ross takes these are the takes that just make you look like a total idiot all the time it's exclusive to blue check marks i don't understand i mean what what's what's like higher royalty though like verified twitter user or rock god that is true. Brian has his own intro drop on the show. No one else has that. Yeah, I guess I have Fred Durst. I'll always have Fred Durst. You'll always have Fred Durst. <laughs> well, this exclusively elitist now podcast is now bringing you the best Lions talk on the Internet as we sit down to talk today. Uh, we're going to talk about quarterbacks a little bit, but it is the tight ends list cast today, and we will get to that in a second. But first. Uh, Jeremy, we try not to have rabbit ears too much when it comes to the national football media, just because I think Lions fans do a fantastic job of that themselves. They don't need us to help. 
we've been spending the summer railing against, you know, Colin Cowherd and Joy Taylor and other people with bad takes about uh, Stafford or Goff or Dan Campbell. But you wanted to get back into this because rate we were getting very close to the season now. The rankings are coming out and for, for various positions. And that means that uh, suddenly Matthew Stafford, I see I've got a different take on this than you, but Matthew Stafford's getting a lot of love and a lot of attention and Jared Goff is getting put in the dustbin. Yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating to me. More so the the Stafford stuff, but you know, that's because I guess I'm I'm obsessed with the guy. But yeah, I mean, I guess it it's it's slightly predictable as soon as Matthew Stafford steps out of the the shadow of Detroit, he's suddenly being hailed as, you know, a a top-tier quarterback. He was 6th according to ESPN ran a poll of um front office executives and coaches and uh, scouts and players he came in sixth last year he was 10th and last year he had a pretty bad year so what changed he went to la and and maybe it's more of a projection projection thing and maybe it's just like well he's paired with a better team now so he's probably going to perform better he's certainly going to get more wins than he did in detroit so yeah he's the sixth best quarterback but to see him above lamar jackson on a quarterback list was nothing short of stunning to me and not not that I completely disagree with it. I probably still would put Lamar Jackson above him. Well, we'll get to our QB list cast in a couple of weeks here. Um, but that never would have happened in the past thousand years. Never would have happened in the past thousand years. And I just find that quite interesting. I, I have a couple of theories as to why, but uh, but I'll let you guys jump in here first. Yeah, I with the Matthew Stafford stuff, what I find kind of um, obvious is what you already pointed out, Jeremy, like I think that this was all kind of expected um it was just a matter of time until it happened and um uh you know i I think a list like this where it's you know having you know the opinion of league executives and scouts and players and and things like that um it's an opportunity for all of those people to kind of say well you know these new circumstances are going to put him in a, a a better position to succeed and the the thing that I find really interesting is looking at ESPN's projections for what Stafford's going to do. He's going to have like pretty much a, like the same year that he had last year. Like Very the pedestrian. 20. Yeah. The 2021 projections for Matthew Stafford are 4,500 yards, 25 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. And that seems like. It seems like Ryan Tannehill puts up better numbers than that. And Ryan Tannehill is a guy who received some votes, but um, was kind of characterized as being like an efficient guy. But he's just kind of like a a plug for Tennessee's overall offense, which is based on running. I, I think with the the Rams offense, I think the expectation is Stafford is going to somehow be unlocked with Sean McVay. And I think that those things are inextricably linked. Like it almost seems like. Stafford's making his way to the quarterback whisperer. And if anybody has, you know, been in Detroit and not lived under a rock, like there have been quarterback whisperers for Matthew Stafford. The first one was Jim Caldwell. And then it was Jim Bob Cooter. And, um, you know, Stafford peaked at times, you know, like I, I think we, we kind of wax poetic about the 2016 season so much. Um, but at the same time, like that was a nine and seven year. And, at the end of the day, like everything in the NFL is measured in wins and losses. And, you know, Stafford's not the only guy who's getting this kind of rub, right? Like, I mean, we see guys like Marvin Jones, who all of a sudden now he's going to the Jacksonville Jaguars and people can pull up pro football reference and be like, whoa, look at all these numbers. And 
hey, now he's with Trevor Lawrence. And oh, my goodness, like he's going to be like one of their top targets. It's like Marvin Jones has been doing this shit. Yeah. Like Matthew Stafford's yeah. been doing this shit. It's just I, a matter of them entering different situations. And I think it's nothing more than like offseason fodder, to be honest. Like it's it's the doldrums of the offseason and it's an opportunity for for us to kind of do some hand wringing over over rankings. And yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. So I think for me, I, I maybe it's because I've been listening to some other people who are still kind of down on Stafford. But the reasons for them to be down on Stafford are pretty laughable. It's still the his record against winning teams, which I mean, if if the Rams start coming out here and stinking some games against some of these teams, that will come up right away. But it's not for a lot of people. I, I don't know. I heard one host, uh, one sports talk radio guy who was uh, invoking the playoff game against the Cowboys or invoking games from 10 years ago as proof Stafford is overrated. I don't I can't buy into that. I, I have hold forever that ever. You mentioned Jim Caldwell, Ryan. I think he became a very different quarterback under Jim Caldwell. He, he cleaned up a lot of his mistakes. He cleaned up a lot of the issues we had with him, you know, uh, care, um, protecting the ball. And he was he was fantastic. I just I think the new attention to Stafford on um, where it comes from, the, from those rating him now, I, I get why Lions fans think it's. It was a snub before, and now he's in a new place. We're hyping him up. But I, I, I just look what he has in Los Angeles, and I think it, it's part of the calculus here. No quarterback is an island, and I just think that nobody was going to give those accolades to Stafford when he didn't have Calvin Johnson or, he was play, or his offensive coordinator was Daryl Bevel. But he's playing with Sean McVay now. He's, uh, he's under a Sean McVay team. He's got Cooper Cup. He's got Robert Woods. That kind of calculates... Defense. And a defense, well, and I mean, I don't know what the LA's run game is like. I don't think it's great, but still, like, he's got weapons and he's got an offensive line and he's got, you know, receivers and he's got a good supporting cast around him. I, I think it's less about where he went and just he, he is going to a better position. We can hype up Daryl Bevel all he wants. Daryl Bevel was not in, in Detroit. Those offenses were not great. Stafford was pulling them out on his own at the end of the day. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that I, I get where the snub feeling comes from, but at the same time, it's a better position and that can't be denied. And, you know, we do our list casts in a positional vacuum, but I think for a lot of people in the rankings, you want to be right. And the best thing to help you be right is the circumstances of where you are. Yeah, there, there's a couple of ways I want to take this conversation, but the first is with this like kind of Detroit versus everybody mentality that everyone's taking on because of this, you know, that all these lion stars suddenly go elsewhere and, and they're, they're getting more attention and things like that. And I think some of them just think like, Oh, the media hates the lions. So, you know, once they're gone and, and while I'm not feeding directly into that, I think there is a at least a little bit something into it. And the most telling thing for me was Kyle Shanahan last week when he joined the uh, the Flying Coach podcast with Sean McVay and uh, what's Peter Schrager, um, mm. he went and and the reason why I think Stafford is getting all this hype and and we can get into it in a second, whether it, it maybe it's now going in the opposite direction to, to a point where maybe he's getting overhyped. Um, but I think the reason he's getting over, he's getting all this hype now is just he's he's simply getting more attention. Kyle Shan had said specifically, like, you know, I knew he was pretty good, but once he was on the trading block, I realized I got to go watch this guy's film. And when I watch that guy's film, 
that guy was a hell of a lot better than I thought he was. And so you have to imagine a lot of people in the NFL did that, did that exact same thing. When they realized Matthew Stafford was on the block, they went, they looked at tape and they're like, he's this good. And, and it's simply yeah. a matter of fact, like no one's paying attention to the Lions. And I hate to say this, but why should they? Why should they have yeah. paid attention to the Lions in the past five years? They made the playoffs once in that time. They're, they're not good. Yeah. They weren't it, good. It was and a so, terrible team under Matt Patricia. There's no yeah. other way around it. It was a team that just cratered so hard and would not stop cratering. And they were bad and they were bad for three plus years. And they weren't great near the end with Jim Caldwell either. Like the last time I saw them get that kind of attention that was deserved was 2016. And I think some of us said they were kind of overachieving with those games they were coming back from. Yeah. So they went and, from like a little bit overachieving to just they weren't good for four years. Right. So it, it's not a matter of fact that the media hates the Lions. It's that the Lions have not made themselves media worthy. Matthew <laughs> Stafford played in three playoff games. Yeah. That, like, look that, how, how many like, people Jared if, Allen if he, took the world by storm, too. Right. Like, yeah. If, if Matthew Stafford made the playoffs every other year, if I should say if the Lions, because I don't want to put it all man, Matthew Stafford, maybe there's more. Uh, there was there'd be more of a narrative and not simply because he's making the playoffs just because the Lions are simply there in in the stratosphere. Instead, they're they're playing in the shadows. No one cares, and, and I can't blame them because the Lions just weren't creating any buzz. So now that Matthew Stafford is out in the public, now that he's with a team that is generating buzz, he's getting more respect. Now, I, I, I'd love to ask you guys, do you think he's getting too much respect now? Because that that's an interesting take that that is suddenly growing, not only here in Detroit for from guys that... from it, it, it's interesting. Some of them are the, the people that have hated Stafford for a long time. Some some of them, I think, are Stafford supporters that are just sick of hearing his name. So saying, oh, he's overrated now. Um, but but I'm curious as to as to what you guys think. Do you think there's there's a chance that Stafford is now in the opposite direction where people are are expecting too much out of him? I don't think that people are expecting too much out of him, because at the end of the day, he, I mean, it, are we keeping this in the frame of reference of him being rated as the sixth best quarterback in the NFL? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, last year he was ranked 10th in this in this list, and this year he's ranked 6th, and like you said, Jeremy, he just went to a better situation. Like, the last time Matthew Stafford had a defense that contributed to, you know, the other half of football, you know, the Lions had one of the best seasons that they've had probably in, what, the last 25 years? Yeah. When the 2014 team, when you had, you know, a top-ranked defense, and that's what he's going to in, in Los Angeles. I, I, I think... You know, Chris mentions the weapons that are on offense. I think it's more important what the team is on defense. You, you talk about the Los Angeles Rams. You talk about a team that, you know, in the past however many years, you know, uh, since, since Sean McVay, they, they've missed the playoffs, what, once, I think, in 2019 when they went nine and seven. Before then, it was, you know, uh, 11 and five, and it was 13 and three, and it was the Super Bowl, and it was last year. And, you know, the only reason why the Los Angeles Rams made the playoffs last year is because of, you know, their top ranked defense around like, and, around the league that team that Stafford was seen as the missing piece. Like that's all the Rams needed was a, a top tier quarterback that that's what he was seen. Yeah. Right. Like, sorry, Ryan continue. I just, I just wanted to throw that in. That's like that. That's, that was the, that was the opinion of the league. It's like the Rams didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, they were relying on what, I mean, Jared Goff had, you know, problems with his hand and had to have surgery on that and then um you know they're relying on john wolford 
you know yeah. so I, I i see how matthew stafford is the is the missing ingredient for for that drink to get stirred in los angeles i i what it boils down to though is like it's a wins and loss league and i i'll take it back to ryan Tannehill. who gave a shit about ryan Tannehill when he was in miami with the dolphins everybody wrote him off and then last season he i mean 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions he had a better season than matthew stafford's probably had in the past four years and he what he he barely receives votes because he's he's you know handing the ball to Derrick Henry and that's the guy who gets the rub. It, it's it's all about where the focus is and it's this invisible hand that kind of that kind of guides these things. And I I don't know I I, I might I might start calling it Ryan Tannehill syndrome if if you know this kind of <laughs> takes off because truly I mean this is a guy like nobody cared about when he was in Miami. He was written off as you know he he had the he had the knee injury comes back to Tennessee and I think Ryan Tannehill was like the sneaky guy that like all of a sudden showed up and they were like, Oh, this guy can really play. Well, yeah, Matthew Stafford's been kind of doing the same thing. And like now he's getting an opportunity on a bigger stage where he's actually playing meaningful football. I mean, we'll see if he's playing meaningful football games, but that's the idea is that they're like, like Chris said, this one piece away and and that guy ends up being Matthew Stafford. So it, at the end of the day, it's a wins and losses league. And I'm not saying it's quarterback wins at all whatsoever. Like I'm I'm not trying to you know get Mike Payton's panties in a bunch. What I'm trying to say is like what Jeremy's pointing out. The the media is going to pay attention to the teams that are actually doing something. The Lions haven't done shit in the past five years. But but the interesting thing to me is it's not just the media like this poll Kyle Shanahan it proves that the league is doing that too right like they're only concerning themselves with the good teams it's kind of interesting to me yeah, yeah that, I, well, that I mean like Shanahan that's that's kind of I, I'm a little I'm a little cautious of using Shanahan to extrapolate the league there's, there's a few things I want to say first off like I I want to get to the wins in a second I know I've seen some people saying like how fair is it to, to put him six when he hasn't played a down for the Rams. Okay, but nobody's putting Tom Brady down just because he never played a down for the for the, for the Bucks last year. That, that's 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 not realistic. The other I've, thing too is uh, sorry, go on Jeremy. I, I was just going to say I I I have a firm belief that Stafford has been a a quarterback in the 6 to 10 range for the past 5, 6, 7 years. Yes. Really ever since Jim Caldwell came to town like when he got things settled down, he's been a 6 to 10 quarterback. So, it doesn't bother me that he's 6. Um I Lamar Jackson under him is kind of wild though. Yeah, the the things I want to say is that I agree that it's not a QB wins kind of situation, even though I've heard some old heads out there that are arguing for that. Uh, it's like, oh, hey, he hasn't, he again, hasn't won his record against winning teams, hasn't won a playoff games. Those playoff, the playoff record will hang over, for, over him regardless. But I think we're also in an era too, where again, like, as I said, it's about what's around you. No quarterback is just an Island and yeah, it's not about quarterback wins, but it is about how much you can win those games. Are you in a position to actually win those games? And he went to a better, just again, he went to a better situation in, in Los Angeles. There's no other way around that. He's gone to a better situation in Los Angeles and he's going to get the pub for that. It's not because Los Angeles is a better market. It's because they're a better team period, hard stop. And you might not think that's fair to then rank a quarterback higher because they go to a better team, but damn it, it's kind of, it, it does affect their numbers at the end of the day. It does affect what they can do. It's why I try not to look at a quarterback as the end-all be-all because it's a 
piece of the engine. It's not the full engine itself. Like, God. Is this car we, talk? But we do that all the time. It's just, <laughs> it is not car talk. It is absolutely not car talk. Well, I, I, can I, can I, one ahead. quick point to what, you know, kind of what you were saying, Jeremy, and then also what Chris kind of just touched on, but like, we're all, I think everybody in Detroit is kind of in this agreement that like Stafford has been, like you said, Jeremy, in that six to 10 range. So I don't know who this is so surprising to. I, I think as fans, they get a little defensive because it's like, well, we've been seeing this all the time. Why haven't you been seeing this? And that's where the craw kind of gets stuck in your teeth. And the, the the thing about Lamar Jackson, I'll say real quick, is I, I think the reason why Stafford gets a rub over him is because Stafford's in this new sexy spot with Sean McVay. And yeah, we've seen Lamar, Lamar going and, into playoffs and just... And that's the thing. And now it's like, well, Lamar, you go sit in your corner because you haven't won a playoff game. And it's going to be the same thing where if Lamar doesn't win playoff games, he'll continue to get walked back. And I mean, who yeah. knows? He'll even maybe yeah. even be yeah. you know relegated to should this guy be replaced? Should you know, should the Ravens move on to another type of quarterback or something like that? But it, it's, a, it's it's a wins and losses league. And I'm going to keep on just pounding that drum. Before we before we close out and, and head to ListCast, yeah. we have to talk about the other side of the coin here, which is Jared, Jared Goff. Goff. All right. Um, <laughs> it's actually on the on the Lions team. Um, obviously, he didn't make the, the ESPN uh, poll. No. Top 10. No. But Detroit was, getting snubbed. Detroit versus everybody. But it, I mean, to be fair, like 26th on PFF's ranking, that's got to be a little little crazily low, right? Like About quarterbacks or like. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically bottom tier quarterback on PFF's projection. This is this is the problem with Jared Goff is he's a cipher. How many fans have we talked to over and and like fan analysts have we talked to over the months, Jeremy, who believe that including our own John Whitaker. John, I know you're watching on Twitch right now. I'm going to put you on the spot. There are more than enough people watching this team who believes that Jared Goff should not play a single fucking down because he's just that bad because that like the idea of moving forward for him for more than one year is incomprehensible that he's just that bad you saw what he was in la bam no no reason to continue right it just just close the book right now that's the opinion of a lot of people in detroit so why shouldn't that opinion then trickle out to other people doing these rankings sometimes like i don't agree with it I think there is a good chance for Goff to surprise people. I don't know. I don't think his ceiling is that high, but I certainly don't think that he is 26, but I get it. I get it because that's where the conversation has gone. I get it because that's what the recency bias shows is that Jared Goff, his final years in LA was not a serviceable quarterback. And the only question you have on your mind is where does that trend line go? Does it continue to go down into the earth, not stonks or does it, or do, do we find the median somewhere between when he got to the Super Bowl and last year? Is there a is there a higher median or does it keep cratering? Right. And and again, it, it's it's the opposite reaction of Stafford. Like he's in a worse yeah. situation now. Like he, he doesn't have great wide receivers. He's in a new offense. The, the Lions run game, while could be very well improved from from last year, it's still very much a work in progress as well. Defense even more of a work in progress. So I, I, it, I know on the surface, it just looks like you, you put this guy in Detroit and suddenly he sucks. You put this, you take this guy out of Detroit and suddenly he doesn't suck, but it, it, it's really just a victim of circumstances. I think with both players. And I, I, I think golf, we talked about this a little bit on the, on the green room. 
uh, Q&A, but like I could go either way with Goff. I think I think he's probably a middle of the pack quarterback who could either regain some of the the mojo that he had in his, you know, second and third year in, in Los Angeles or like you said, that downward trend could continue. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to pretend like I know uh, what's going to happen, but 26 seems a little a little rude. It, it is a little rude. I'm going to let Ryan talk in a second, but the one thing I do bite back every time is people, because I've seen this from a lot of people too, worrying that the, 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 the current regime in Detroit likes Goff, and they're worried that, that means they'll stick with him. Look, if he goes out and has a stinker of a season, you don't stick with that. <laughs> Okay, like nobody sticks with that. But like for this season, you give him a shot. If he wants to pull out the rope to hang himself, by all means, like he'll do that. If he if he flies, then consider it. But I don't know. Ryan, your your thoughts on golf. I'm sorry. I've talked too much. No, I I think it comes back to your point, Chris, about situation. And I know that, you know, Jeremy kind of outlined it and it might seem a little unfair to just say, well, I mean, who is 25th on that list, Jeremy? Do you know who is 25th on that list of the quarterback pff rankings i don't it was justin fields a guy who hasn't played a single down <laughs> in the nfl a guy who I mean, isn't even projected to be the team starter right now so what what i'm what i guess what i'm i mean 24 on the list is not it's just funny because it's the new orleans saints quarterbacks like it's two guys it's james winston <laughs> slash Taysom hill but that's, that's what i'm saying it is, it is the situation they're going into yeah. yeah it's it's situation it's nothing else and it it has yeah. nothing i i think it has more to do about like what the team is projected to do than it is the guy who's in that spot and yeah. i'm you know putting him at 26 a little disrespectful i agree um but he's also kind of in I'm not going to get too worked up over the number because I think it's more of this like tiered ranking system. And like the guys that are around him that are below um, below him, actually, they all kind of fit in the spot where it's like this is going to be. a. These are the guys that like are are having an opportunity as a reclamation project. And this is their opportunity to bounce back or not, because the guys below him are Cam Newton at 27, Sam Darnold at 28. Now with the Carolina Panthers, Tua, who had a That's really up and down there. season in 29. I don't know. He got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I, I mean, okay. it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I, I, I agree that it is kind yeah, of situation right. where you're going to. And what are we projecting? Like, I hate to say it, but again, looking at the national media, I know there's a lot of Lions fans who think they could overachieve this year. Most national media, most most mock drafts I see, Lions are getting the first overall pick. That's just showing you where this team is go like where this team is projected right now top five pick which means you're going to be bottom five in the league and that's just the end of it uh let's take a quick break when we come back we do need to get into the list cast this is a very cursed list cast um anyone who knows the history of our tight ends list cast knows that there is a curse we cannot shake with this list with this list if 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 someone's there is a good chance someone who we hype up on this list is just you're doomed and i hate to say it but we're going to see we're going to pull off we're going to open up this box like like in seven what's in the box what's in the box we have to do this together please brace yourself tight end list cast is next on the pride of detroit pod cast
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast after a, uh, a break that was adventurous and exploratory. So look for that on the scraps uh, for many, many, many different reasons. I, I swear the scraps might be longer than this podcast right now, but let's leave that for another time. Let's talk about tight ends. Let's talk about the tightest of ends. For those of you who have joined the tight end list cast in the past, you should know that this list cast is beyond cursed. This is a very cursed list cast. If you're not familiar what list cast is, every offseason, we rank the top 10 in, of every player in the NFL at skill positions. So we've done wide receivers, we've done edge, we've done running back, we've done cornerbacks. Quarterback is next week. This week, it's tight ends. And in the past, we have done something so awful. Me and Jeremy have been guilty of this in that was it? Was it what? You, you wasn't. Uh, you? I was, I was just, I I was just make make, I, I was just making mistakes. sure that I was being excluded from this because. Okay. Yes, but yes, was this our inaugural list cast that this happened? I think we started list this list cast in like twenty because we did it in twenty eighteen when we had this oopsie. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. We put Hunter Henry on our tight ends list cast, and then it got broken to us. Uh, after by Ryan minutes after me and Jeremy had made our arguments for Hunter Henry that he had a torn ACL and he was out for the year. So that's the kind of curse that has come for this list and it keeps coming up. It keeps happening. It, it's happening all the time. But again, list cast, let, let's start it off. So as always, this is about what we think they're going to do next season at this point in their career. It's not a, it's not a lifetime achievement award. It's not what they did in the past seasons. It's what we believe they will be top 10 by the end of this year of the 2021 NFL season. And it's independent of scheme, current weapons, coaching, etc. A lot of that's there for the quarterbacks list, which we'll get to. But um, coming in at is, number... And yeah. this is a collective list uh, for all of Pride yes. We got seven, yeah. seven different voters... And this yeah. is all of those smushed together into one including top including Hamza Bakush, who sent us a joke list, who sent <laughs> us. It is marked here in red. He has number 10, Eric Ebron, nine, Dan Campbell, eight, Ashawn Robinson. Um, we have excluded his list because he has gone full Joker mode on us. We, so. I would have included it if he didn't put Eric Ebron on his list. Mm. That is true. 
that is that is very true. <laughs> um, so anyway, to get us started, we always like to talk about the guys who are just outside. And coming in at 12 and 11 is Logan Thomas and John U. Smith. I think pretty highly of Logan Thomas. So this is a bit of a shock to me. I think Logan Thomas was the was the brightest star, one of the bright stars in that Washington football team offense last year. And I think he'll just continue to improve this year as he transitions from being a college quarterback to a NFL tight end. But he's he's like 30 now. <laughs> this yeah. isn't this isn't a new game for him. Like, congratulations on having a breakout year. And Logan Thomas, you know, he flashed a little bit in his very brief time in Detroit, but I think that's just that was just a situation of where who else is he going to throw it to? Like there's there's him. There's a uh, what's his name? The the speedy wide receiver that I'm blanking on. Who's good? I can't help you here. I don't watch Washington <sighs> too much. But Terry McLaurin. Way, like, Terry McLaurin. Thank you. Um, yeah. But then then who else is he throwing it to? And Antonio yeah, Gibson who is throwing to him too. J.D. McKissick. I mean, J.D. McKissick caught 80 balls in that offense. That that just goes to tell you they're throwing it to whoever they can. Okay. Okay. I still think he's decent. Janu Smith. Uh, Ryan, I think you had Janu on your list. Do you want to talk about him at all or not really? I, well, it, it, it'll, it'll be a nice segue into who's number 10 on our list, but I have Janu Smith ahead of the guy that we'll talk about here in a second because I think that Janu Smith is the more explosive player. I think he's the guy who will make, I think big plays are the key to success in the NFL overall. So that's why I have Janu Smith so high. I mean, in terms of what he does after the ball, uh, 7.1 yards after the catch per reception since uh, he entered the league in 2017. And that rakes second behind only one guy. And we'll get to his name much later in the podcast because he's uh, sure. he, he's up there in the top two. Now, you say you know who's at top 10. I do not. I have not looked at this at all. I am keeping the suspense from this. I am sure this year there will be no problems whatsoever. So I'm just going to open the little box here. I'm going to open the envelope that we totally have, uh, you know. And let me see. At number 10 on our Detroit, Pride of Detroit, POD cast, tight ends list cast for the year 2021 is Hunter Henry. Oh, fucking God. <laughs> Damn it. Listen, Damn it. this was not a mistake. I was one of the two this people on staff that voted for Hunter Henry. I had him eighth, and I don't regret it. Pay uh, for Mike, your sins. Mike, Mike had him sixth, which maybe was a little bit too high. But Hunter Henry's good. I'm sorry. Like, maybe he's not living up to expectations coming into the league, but the man is good. Back-to-back 600-yard seasons. The man finished... In, in the top 20, I think, in terms of PFF grade or, or somewhere around there. And listen, I, I do really think in New England now he's going to get his opportunities. We know how they like to utilize their tight ends. Yeah, he's in New England now. OK, OK, yeah. Um, and after, you know, five years in, in, in with the Chargers, he's going to get a new. Uh, and I know we don't include all that sort of stuff, but I'm just saying I think he's going to have more opportunities than he did in the Chargers. And, and he's been playing like, I, th- I think 10's a great spot for him. I think he's been yeah. a top 15 guy the past couple of years. And, and I think, I think I, I wasn't just memeing. I swear I wasn't just memeing. I, I no, think I, he's a top 10 talent. And now that he's going to get more opportunities in New England, at least in my belief, people are going to recognize that more. Yeah, look, he had back-to-back 600-yard seasons since coming off that ACL tear. He had, I think, uh, four touchdowns last year. 
catch rate kind of fell off a little bit last year. But again, as you say, like, I know we're not supposed to take system and involve, but he played very well for the Chargers. Can he keep doing it in New England? I think, you know, as you say, he's going to get a lot of love up there in a tight end system. Yep. He was just off my list. And again, I'll, 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 I'll stick with this this season. I think that Janu Smith is going to be a greater prize than Hunter Henry. I think that the thing that's kind of hurt Hunter Henry in his NFL career is that I think that he was getting pushed to that elite status before it actually happened. Yeah. And the injury happened because he was supposed to be like in the Travis Kelsey's of the world. He was supposed to be in the, 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 you know, the, sure. the, 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 the mix for like the best tight end in the NFL. And that didn't happen. And again, maybe a victim of circumstance. We'll see. But again, like you guys mentioned, he's going to get more opportunities in New England. I think he's going to be a focal point of that offense. They certainly paid him to be a focal point of that offense. So this is going to be the opportunity for Hunter Henry to either, you know, uh, pooper get off the potty. And, and don't <laughs> sleep on don't sleep on his run blocking. Like th- this is something that I feel like is going to come up a lot in this list cast because a lot of the guys in these top 10 lists, let's be honest, they're they're pass catchers. They're, they're difference makers in the passing game. But Hunter Henry uh, finished 12th, no, 16th in, in PFF's run blocking grade, which is higher than all but three, four people on our list, our top 10 list. So he's one of the more well-rounded guys on this list. And, and I think that should be celebrated a little bit. I'm just scared. I, I'm scared. That's all. Number nine on the list, by the way. Let's move on from this. <laughs> Mike, Gis- how do I say this, Jeremy? Gasecki? Gasicki? Yep. Gasicki. Yep. Gasicki? Agasiki yep. for the Miami Dolphins coming in at number nine, uh, 700 yards last year, puts him fourth among tight ends. Look, I, I, I think I've seen I already see our Twitch chat kind of reacting about the bottom of this. There is a big drop off with tight ends after a certain point. Sure. And Gasicki, though, like I think he's well-rounded and kind of does a little bit of everything pretty well. I think he had you know, what was his rating? Um he wasn't bad as a, as a run blocker. He wasn't great either. But, you know, last year tied for ninth in touchdowns with six. Uh, I think I think you just kind of expect him to kind of take a step forward, be a reliable weapon for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. However much that's worth, we kind of talked a little bit about Tua during the break or dur- during the last segment, excuse me, about uh, how low he's rated from PFF. But... You know, you, you want someone reliable there in, in Miami. And I think he's your reliable dump off guy. I mean, he's he's at that age, right, where where tight ends kind of break out with the first couple seasons can be a little tough on on tight ends. He just finished year three and, and had kind of a breakout season. He was only 20 yards short of where TJ Hawkinson was. And we're all talking about how TJ Hawkinson had this amazing breakout year. Well, Mike Gusecki's right behind him. Um, and, and in terms of his efficiency, in terms of all those stats, PFF had him as the eighth best graded tight end last year, six in receiving. So, um, he's really kind of, he's definitely more of the receiver guy. As you mentioned, his run blocking grade isn't that well fourth in receiving yards. I think he's just now blooming. Um, and, and this could be a string of, of several years put together. I, I think he's, he's maybe the, the most underrated guy on our list. Well, that's a bold take. Um, I think that when it comes to Gasecki, as you mentioned about Hunter Henry, Jeremy, like those guys who can do a little bit more of everything that a tight end is kind of expected to do or uh, thought of being capable of. <clears throat> Gasecki isn't that guy. Gasecki is more of the new breed yep. of tight end because, um, you know, last year was, again, one of his kind of coming out parties 
But at the same time, he's the only tight end in the NFL with over 500 routes run from the slot over the past two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. So he's kind of that specialized new kind of tight end that um, that we're seeing more and more in the NFL, who's really just a receiving threat. Um, but he's a good enough receiving threat that I think he does belong on this list. On to number eight, because I feel like we're going to spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, partly because two members of this team, one who left him off the list entirely, one who has spent an entire offseason uh, talking about him to an alarming degree. And that is, and we don't usually put rookies on these lists, but A, again, I don't think tight end is a very deep position sometimes to it. And also B, this guy got all the hype to deserve being in the top 10, and that's Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. So who wants to go first? Should we go to Jeremy, who left him off the list, I think, to spite... No. One Ryan Matthews. Are we going to give the floor to Ryan Matthews, who to him, Kyle Pitts is his lord and savior? I, I could not jump in here and talk about Kyle Pitts before before Ryan. So I, I will give the floor to him. Okay, so here. I had him all the way up at. Was it number five? On- yes. Yep. Yes, I had him. at okay. seven. So now I have Kyle Pitts this high on the list because. It's removing these players from their situation. But Kyle Pitts is going to be a huge feature in an Atlanta offense that just decided to move on from Julio Jones. They have Calvin Ridley, but their second best skill position player is Kyle Pitts, without a doubt. And he's going to be heavily featured. And I think that with his athleticism and the things that he brings to the table in terms of being that kind of new breed of NFL tight end. But at the same time, like he's not a complete pushover. He's going to be willing to work in the game to be a blocker, but he's going to be so hyper utilized as a receiver. That stuff's going to show up in the box score. That stuff is going to show up in, in fantasy stuff. And I know that just absolutely grinds Jeremy's gears, but like Kyle Pitts will be recognized. Kyle Pitts will get shine. Kyle Pitts will get talked about because of the numbers he's going to put up as a rookie. I'm going to say right now on the podcast, there is no doubt in my mind. He is going to be the NFL's, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, I can Ooh. see it. I Trevor can see Lawrence it. Lawrence, move over. I think Trevor. I I could see it because Do I think Trevor, rookie quarterbacks, man. It's 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 a rough it's a rough bag. It's a rough bag. Jacksonville's rebuilding. Who knows what the Bears are going to do? It's definitely not going to be Justin Fields in my mind. I think I think you're right on the money. It could be and, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and so I'm all in on Kyle Pitts. I think a lot of people are in on Kyle Pitts. I think Jeremy's even in on Kyle Pitts, even though he didn't make his list. But I, I now can see the floor to you, Jeremy. Why didn't Kyle Pitts make your list? Well, first of all, you spent the past five months convincing me he wasn't a tight end. He was a wide receiver, so he shouldn't be eligible for this <laughs> okay. list. Okay. Stop. Stop. Number two, how, how many times are we going to do this with first-year tight ends? We're going to come in with worlds of expectations, even though history tells you tight end is a really hard position to transition to in the NFL first year success at the tight end position is extremely rare, extremely rare. So I'm not going to crown Kyle Pitts. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, we kept trying to tell everyone don't expect the world out of this guy in his first year. It's not going to be that good. Look at everybody. It doesn't happen until at least year two. Sometimes it's until year three because it's just a tough position to learn. And I know Atlanta set up in a, in a different situation where he's going to get a lot of looks. I agree with you that, on that. 
But this isn't about looks. This isn't about targets. This isn't about what we think their production is going to be in 2021. It's about where we think their talent is at the NFL level right now. And I'm not giving it to Kyle Pitts right out the gate. I'm just not. Because it's so hard to transition to play tight end in the NFL when he's not going to be playing tight end. Okay, so then he's not on this list either way. <laughs> well, I, I don't think we were going like... to do. We weren't going to do a list cast of weapons in the NFL <laughs> where I would have put Kyle Pitts number one. This is like that one guy who 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 was it with the Saints? Now he's where the hell is he now? He's he was a tight end that uh, like he kept arguing that he should be paid on like the wide receiver scale. Graham? Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, Graham, yeah. Thank you. Yes, I don't know. Again, I'm blanking on names today. Um, This feels like a Jimmy Graham situation right here. It's like we just don't know what to call him other than tight end, just because that's where he's lining up. I am fascinated to see how how much he'll be lined up in the slot. I imagine it's going to be a bunch, but yeah, I I don't know. Like, and you here's the thing: you might end up looking very right. He might get a ton of yards this year. I still don't know if I'm going to crown him as as the talented guy yet because. Listen, it, it, it just takes a while for tight ends. It does. Oh, man. Chris and I are going to have a betting podcast. What Jeremy just did is called a hedge. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. By, by I saying I might be right. Yeah. That yeah. should be a bingo card on our, our predatory <laughs> podcast. Hedge, Me hedging hedge, bets. Yeah, we, I do it need, all I, the time. I need to put together. I'm going to put together an official one for the season. <laughs> all right. Number seven on our list. We're a little behind schedule. Uh, you, you met, you keep mentioning Jeremy about seasoning, how tight ends need time to adjust the league. And yet this guy in only his second season, he put up like, I think, what was it? An 80 receiving grade on from PFF last year, which puts him pretty high when it comes to, uh, I I think that puts him like what fifth in PFF for receiving grades among tight ends. That's Noah fan for the Denver Broncos. And again, we talked earlier on this podcast about not a lot of people paying attention to the lions offense being bad. The Denver Broncos were not paying attention to them at all, man, not all for good reason. But Noah Fant had 673 yards last year and three touchdowns. And he's for, for an offense that doesn't have much of much. He's good. And he is coming into this third year at as you say, this should be his big breakout year. And that's kind of what you hope for on him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting, obviously, to to Iowa tight ends, him and, and TJ Hawkinson, when they came into the league together, no fan kind of got off to a quicker start. And everyone was wondering if maybe the Lions got the wrong tight end. And and no fan has been fine, like 562 yards his rookie season, 673 last year, which put him, I think, fourth or, or fifth among, um, sixth among tight ends. So right there, you know, not far behind TJ Hawkinson, 60 yards or so, or 50 yards or so behind him. So not a significant amount, but the difference, and and maybe this is me talking about TJ Hawkinson a little too early here is no fan can't block like TJ Hawkinson can block. So no fan to me, he's, he's a little more limited, um, but definitely a talented guy. Definitely a guy, like you said, on the rise, he could have another breakout season. Like we're all kind of expecting of TJ Hawkinson to maybe, maybe even tickle a thousand yards. I wouldn't be see I wouldn't be surprised to see Noah Fant get kind of close up to that number as well this year, especially since we're adding a 17th game. Where Noah Fant's athleticism pops, and I this is an awesome stat from PFF, but um he did so much damage underneath. Last season he had 457 receiving yards, and this is a guy who had you know, 673 total. So 457 of his receiving yards were on passes within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. And that ranked fourth in the position. 
So, I mean, this is a guy who caught the ball close to the line of scrimmage, but then has the athleticism to, to break and make plays. And again, a guy who's part of that new breed of tight end who, you know, plays with more athleticism, isn't an inline guy, um, which I think that I think that we're all kind of prioritizing that on our list. I, I think that we're, we're giving that um, a little bit more emphasis because those guys are more valuable because they're more versatile and they can do more things. Um, and I think that's fair. I still think that's fair in the NFL. I, I think that there is a difference between tight ends and wide receivers. And th- this is this is where I think when we get to the other side in, into our, you know, you know, the higher up on this list, we're going to see the guys who differentiate differentiate themselves from from these guys who are more pass catchers. Well, we're going to do that right now at number six with Dallas Goddard, who is a decent receiving tight end, but he's that's not why he's making our list. He's making our list because he posted up the second highest PFF grade last year in run blocking at an 81.0. And for the Philadelphia, having that kind of help up front is fantastic. He also caught three touchdowns last year. He also had 524 yards. And the year before that, he broke 600 yards. Um, but yeah, I feel like Goddard is as high up on the list as he is because, again, tight end isn't, as Jeremy keeps saying, it's not just it's not just receiving. You've got to be good at run blocking, too. You've got to be a multidimensional weapon for your offense. And, and I think he's pretty well-rounded, too. Like, he, yes. he finished you know, uh, with 527, 524 yards just outside the top 15 uh, among tight ends. And really, to me, it, it was kind of a, a changing of the guard in Philly. Zach Ertz was a guy who's made this list, I think, every year but this year. Um, I, I had him 10 on, on my list, but um, it, it, it does seem like Zach Ertz is kind of on his way out and Dallas Goddard is on his way in. And he, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say he's on his way in. He's already arrived. He's He's become... A, a really, really talented guy all all over the field. And, and when you have a guy that's so balanced like that, you just don't know what he's going to do when he's out there. He becomes such a bigger weapon when you don't know if he's going to stay in and block or you don't know if he's going to go out there and, and, and run a good route. Um, he can do it all. And he, he might not be elite at any of those traits, but he's very, very good at both. And, and that's why he, he should be very close to the top five tight ends in the league. What you're going to see with Philadelphia, and this <clears throat> comes back to the kind of the opposite point that I made about Kyle Pitts, but like do that stuff that's not going to show up in the box score. Yeah. But where it is going to show up in the box score is I think Philly should have an absolute phenomenal running attack. If they if they go to kind of like some outside stuff, you got a guy like Lane Johnson who you can put Goddard right next to. And man, you're just clearing road. You are you're gravel paving your way to some to some running yards or you put him over there next to Andre Dillard who I know the Eagles have a ton of faith in too. So Goddard, you're going to see his receiving numbers take off too, especially if, I mean, it seems like all offseason long, the Eagles have been talking about moving on from Zayd or something like that so that they can kind of elevate Goddard to this like tight end number one. He's actually going to be like a focal point of our offense. And he, he's, I mean, there's some other receiving options there too. So, um, but I, I think you're going to see those receiving numbers pop a little bit more. And I think you're going to see him, show up on the box score, but because of what they're doing in the backfield. I kind of look at him as like a more well-rounded Mo Alley Cox because Mo Alley Cox was a really good run blocker that last year too. That's fair. Yeah. I, I just like, I'm looking, I had him seventh on my list and I'm already kind of re rethinking it because I, I, I think Dallas Goddard is one of the more underrated guys on our list just in, in the fact that he, he can do it all. And, and yeah, I think, I think 
Ryan nailed it there. Like the fact that the Eagles are, are talking about moving on from Zach Ertz is a huge vote of confidence in, in, in Goddard. And, and that's something that you should take notice of. Yep. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we will do top five of our list here. So, so far we've got Hunter Henry, ugh, Mike Gasicki, Kyle Pitts, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard. Who's going to be in the top five? But we haven't mentioned TJ Hawkinson yet. And this is a Bleeping Lions podcast. So maybe, just maybe, a lion hits our tight, uh, uh, one of our list casts here. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, list cast as we wrap up tight ends. Top five coming your way right now. We'll just go right into it. Why not? Who cares? Who cares except for us? Number five, Mark Andrews from the Baltimore Ravens. 700 yards last year, and that wasn't even his best season last year. I know he had like 852, I think, uh, in 2019. He was... He's put... Pro Bowl, like he's put up fantastic numbers, and yeah, I think he's kind of the guy you look towards in in Baltimore right now. They've got some great options, but you know he he does what you need to, and um and comes in comes in tenth overall for PFF, which again the PFF grades up and down too because they take into uh, consideration as well like pass blocking. So you know Mo Ali Cox ends up like fifth on their tight end rankings just because of, in you know, pass blocking a lot of the time. But I think that uh, Mark Andrews, very well-rounded and uh, deserving on the list. Yeah, I mean, if, if we were just to go off productions in the, in the past couple of years, we might be talking about him as a top three tight end. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like you said, 852 yards last year in his Pro Bowl season. Ten followed touchdowns. Up with Ten touchdowns like, and seven last the Reds. year. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a huge threat. And... I, I think the reason why he's at the bottom of our top five list here is simply the offense that he's in in Baltimore. He is the the primary receiving target there, essentially. And so he's just getting, I think, maybe an abnormal amount of opportunities. That's not to say the guy isn't talented. Like you said, like still a top 10 tight end in terms of PFF grades and all that sort of stuff. But I think the reason why a guy with top three production is only top five on our list is simply because I mean, he's just that primary focus in Baltimore. I don't know if I really agree with that. Like he got 58 touches last year, 64 the year prior. Um, TJ Hawkinson kind of got that same amount, got more production last year and we got more touches last year. TJ Hawkinson had 68. Um, now that is more than someone like Gasecki, who had like 53 touches last year. But yeah. I think that's about average. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm but- like- Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jeremy. I was just going to say, like, 
if you if I mean, I'm I guess I'm what I'm doing is combining targets for the past two years. You know, he had 98 targets in 2019, mm-hmm. 88 last year. Hawkinson had 59 targets last or two years ago, 101 last year. So Hawkinson did eclipse him last year, but just you know, putting together his his kind of full resume here, he's he's been the guy in Baltimore, and and I think that's what Hawkinson will become. I mean, you have to remember that Baltimore is a, is a team that runs the ball a heck of a lot. Uh, the Lions aren't, so the Lions are, have a ton of passing opportunities to spread the ball around. Um, Baltimore doesn't. They've kind of just been focusing more so on one guy. Where so if you're talking like percentage wise, I would say Mark Andrews is getting a, a, a much bigger share of the pie than than Hawkinson has been. I think Mark Andrews is probably underrated on our list and he's, he's a tough fit because like you said, Jeremy, he, he served as Baltimore's kind of primary receiving option for the past. Um, on top of that, I mean, they felt confident, comfortable enough to move on from Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like when uh, you figure in like minimum run blocking snaps, like 50% of at least 390 snaps amongst tight ends, Mark Andrews is seventh. Um, in the league uh, as as far as run blocking tight ends go. So he's he's an important piece to a Baltimore offense that serves the running game. Um, and he's kind of like their de facto receiver, too. So uh, yeah. he definitely belongs to be in top five talk. He's I mean, he's definitely one of the most important pieces on Baltimore, especially yes. on, their, on their offense. He's top three, I would say, important player. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Number four, TJ having a lion on here. Um, I'm already seeing some of the chat reacting and thinking Mark Andrews belongs above, above TJ Hawkinson. But I think, again, we, we keep saying it. And I think maybe we just need to stop holding to it as much when we talk about, you know, we're not going to look at scheme, but it's hard to deny that TJ Hawkinson is the weapon right now in Detroit. He's it. Like, you can make arguments for Quintez Cephas or Amon Ra St. Brown, but TJ Hawkinson... <laughs> he went to a Pro Bowl. He had 700 yards. He had over 700 yards last year. He had six touchdowns. And guess what? Goff isn't going to be, is probably going to be throwing to him a lot. And he also gets a bump on this list because, as we said, he's not just a receiving threat. Uh, let me pull up his records here. He was, he was, he scored 70.9 PFF grade and run blocking. He's an integral part of everything the Lions want to do, and he's going to be out on the field quite a bit and see a lot of use in both roles. Yeah, I mean, you you, you nailed it there. That that seventy point nine run block grade is, is third best among our tight our tight end list here. Um, only only two guys had better better than him, and and one of them is number one on our list. Um, and, yeah, I, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, so, and, yeah, and like I said, like I've said a couple times in this in this podcast, he's entering year three, which is really that prime spot for a lot of tight ends where if they've just been good, this is where they could be great. And you can argue TJ Hawkinson might already be great. A Pro Bowl season in the second year, it's pretty darn good. I think you could also argue that maybe it was a weak year for tight ends last year. And so maybe he was just kind of maybe gifted a spot a little bit. Um, um, but to me, I, the, the cards are, are, are all aligned. The stars are aligned, whatever metaphor you want to throw in or, or mix and, and botch terribly. Um, he's he's this is this is the year the only thing that i am proceeding with caution with with hawkinson and i think i mentioned in a previous green room is how he reacts to being the guy he hasn't had that role before he's had other guys in the offense that that have garnered targets have garnered attention from the defense 
he's going to be, if not, you know, one of the top features of this offense, the top feature of this offense. And so how's he going to react when he's got the attention of two guys covering him instead of one? How is he going to react to them, you know, opposing defenses, getting a big slot corner on him? Those are questions I don't have answers to yet, but to me, he's shown enough in these first two years to think that he can handle it as long as he can not stop falling down. Just, down. just, just, <laughs> just, just, just stay up. Just stay up. Get some yak. The, the, beautiful, the beautiful thing about what you just said, Jeremy, is that we don't have to have answers because this is about projections, right? Sure. And with TJ Hawkinson, when you see him all offseason long brushing elbows with guys like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and winning championship belts, which I, none of us really know what that means. <laughs> um, but to me, it means a whole hell of a lot yeah. um, at, at tight end. You like, I think this guy is ready to be the guy I, I I think that he's going to react well to that kind of attention and he's going to rise to the occasion and be the number one option receiving option. And probably just like what we said about Mark Andrews being the focal point of Baltimore's offense like TJ Hawkinson is undoubtedly going to be that to to the Detroit Lions offense. And I I had him highest of anybody. I, I think of the the staff. I had him at number three. So I I think he's he's legit and he's going to show how legit he is this season. I, I wish I could show 2020 Ryan Matthews, 2021 Ryan Matthews. Yeah, you would like that. <laughs> would. We need time machines, time capsules, and everything, but we don't need one for this, except maybe to time capsule this guy back to Baltimore and let the Ravens know they really let one go. Number three on our list is Darren Waller of now the Las Vegas Raiders. 2,300 yards in the last two years, 12 touchdowns in those two years. Works to the bone on targets, like over two, like over 250 targets, Jeremy, but... I don't know what other kind of superlatives I can come up with for with him. 90.9 grade puts him second in receiving, puts him second among tight ends from PFF. Like, I, yeah, there's no reason for me to think he's going to stop. I'm I'm, I'm not even going to talk about anything football related here. Like Darren Waller is just an amazing story. He's just a fantastic story. A, a sixth round pick who, who deals with some substance abuse early in his career. Can't get get it right in Baltimore turns his entire career, turns his entire life around on a, on a freaking dime comes out of nowhere. And like you says, like you said, 2,300 yards in two years when no one saw that coming. Absolutely. No one. I don't think John Gruden saw that coming and, and it just came out of nowhere and it's a really cool story. And he's a, he's a tough guy not to root for at this point. And he, he deserves everything that's coming to him. I don't know where all this came from. I don't know why he's so good, but he is so good as a receiver. I mean, the the only guy to me that is as game-changing in the receiving game alone is, is George Kittle. Like there's it, it's him and George Kittle 1A, 1B. And and for it to happen after the way his NFL career started is is nothing short of amazing. And uh I, I think it's one of the greatest stories in the NFL right now. A very kind man, too. I know he was kind of the star of hard knocks when it was on the Raiders, but I mean, Derek Carr still speaks the wor- world of him saying, you know, he's fighting every day. Um, he's offered to help mentor Tim Tebow to try t- to try to get over to tight ends, which oh, I think most of us have I kind just of lost like, all respect for him. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's a nice olive branch. Kidding. Nothing I'm else. Just That's I'm just, just kidding. To, to, to I'm not like, a Tebow hater. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, I, I, I the story is cool. He's cool and he's insanely productive. Uh, Ryan, he could be like if you're drafting tight end for fantasy, he could be like first on the board. I, I think you can make a really good case that he should be the first tight end that comes off the board in, in fantasy drafts um, because he is that productive. Like Jeremy said, like as far as receiving options go, like I think it's it's probably either I think it's Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. Like I don't think you're going to find a, a better a better receiving tight end in the NFL. Darren Waller belongs in the top four discussion. Um, I had him at four. And the reason why I had Hawkinson ahead of him is just because the only thing that Waller seems to struggle with a little bit or how he's you know, not really utilized is as a blocker. Like he's not an inline guy, really, in terms of, you know, bolstering that yeah, run blocking. Like, yeah, I think just he was a little bit south of 50 run block grade from PFF. He's like a 58 on pass block grade. Like, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's definitely a guy you want out there. If you line him out there, you know, he's going to be catching catching balls. Yeah. And but guess what? He does it and he does it extremely uh, he, he, well. Yeah, he does it so exceptionally well. And I'm really glad that Jeremy highlighted uh, his, his time, um, you know, dealing dealing with substance abuse and things like that, because I, he's honestly probably one of the best stories I've seen covered on Hard Knocks in terms of a guy who they, they had footage of him in Baltimore, like not really knowing what's going on because he's showing up to practice like drunk and, you know, dealing with, you know, issues. In, in that capacity, like, how could you not root for a guy who's turned his life around like that um, and is so in, incredible at what he does? But also, as you know, Chris points out, he's doing things to extend opportunities to other people because he knows that he needed help himself and yeah. he, could, he couldn't do it by himself. Um, you know, and I, I think that that's awesome. Number two on our list is George Kittle, who I really wanted to put first. I know Ryan put him first. The only thing that really holds me back on Kittle at this point was the injuries he suffered last year, two of them, the MCL sprain and then the broken foot. Um, but there's no reason to think he's going to slow down. Like, I, I just a matter of splitting hairs with him and our number one guy that we, we've, we've known what Kittle is ever since coming out of college. There's been several people in the Lions... Um, there's at least one person in Lions Twitter who has been who stumped nonstop for George Kittle when he came out of college. <laughs> and uh, he's done it all for San Francisco. Ke- keeping aside in eight games, he had six thousand um, excuse me, six hundred yards, which would have put him on track to probably catch up with again in 2018, thirteen hundred and seventy yards in 2019, one thousand fifty yards. In those three seasons, 12 touchdowns, and he's stout. He, he's well-rounded. He gets you, uh, he's pretty good in pass block, too, 70, 75.1 from PFF grade. And he's, he's, he's your prototypical tight end. There, I mean, there's no one in the NFL that screams tight end more than George Kittle. He's a superstar. He's managed to make tight end a superstar position, which is not typically a superstar position, partially because he's just a, a great personality. But this guy eats, drinks, sleeps football. Like, he, he helped create tight end university. I mean, all you have to do is really look back to last season. You know, he breaks his foot. He, the, the, the 49ers are terrible. They're, they're not really that much in, into the playoff race. He could have could just called it quits for the rest of the season. But nope, comes back, puts up 92 yards in, in week 15, seven, or 68 the following week. Just goes right back to being the dominant force that he is. And just like, again, another focal point of the offense. Kyle Shanahan 
knows how much of a weapon this guy is and just utilizes him in the best ways, uses all that athleticism that the man has to get him wide open or, you know, just to design plays where even if there's a double team on him, um, he can, he can either, you know, physically get his way through or, or, or outrun everybody else on the field. He's just, he's such a perfect mixture of everything, strength, speed, and, and, you know, he's got the, the mentality of a tight end. Like he, he and Dan Campbell would be best friends. (laughs) Oh, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I truly think it's a one, a one B situation. Um, the, the thing that I, you know, you, you've already said everything that I, that anybody could say about Kittle in terms of what he brings to the table in terms of being a complete tight end. Um, one of the, one of the most fascinating stats for me about, um, about Kittle is how he plays in line. Um, and he does as good a job of you know creating a mismatch as anybody in the nfl um playing that position as an inline tight end 1811 receiving yards when lined up in line since 2018 and that's uh 500 more yards than any other tight end um which come on i mean the guy the guy i I love his mentality i love his approach to the game i love the fact that he loves wrestling um he's he's awesome he's he he honestly should be one of the faces of the NFL. And I think the NFL should do a, a bigger and better job of pushing him as a face of the NFL. Yeah. Look, if you can push Christian McCaffrey, you can't tell me you can't push George Kittle too. Yeah. Yeah. Feels, feels pretty simple. He's well, simple as the, the, the one, one, the one thing that I want to say about George Kittle is that he, I think a great way of describing him is that he's football sexy. <laughs> Football well, sexy also applies to our number one guy, which is Travis Kelsey, which should be no surprise. Uh, first overall in PFF grade, first overall in PFF receiving grade. Uh, do I even need to give the box score numbers? He's had five seasons over a thousand yards receiving. He just had his career high last year. Yep. First ever tight end to do that. Five consecutive seasons of, of 1,000 yard um, game or seasons. Um, I mean, what what else can you say? The guy's the guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer already. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, only Golden Tate and Jarvis Landry have forced more missed tackles um, over the last five seasons. Those guys are shifty little wide receivers. Travis Kelsey's a big dude who's just <laughs> he's bowling you over. Um, and it's how is it I fair mean, that he's on the Chiefs' offense? How is that fair? How is that fair that he throws passes too? So, well, so this is the thing about why I have Kittle ahead of Kelsey, and it's totally breaking our rules about ListCast. Um, Kelsey's had Alex Smith, which, I mean, a great quarterback in his own right. I mean, a guy who's like built to throw to tight ends is Alex Smith's football game. But then he follows that up with having Patrick Mahomes. Right. True. George Kittle's had Jimmy Garoppolo's entire career. <laughs> Garoppolo is kind of built to throw to tight ends, too. If Kyle Shanahan would have had a little more cojones, maybe maybe he'd have Matthew Stafford throwing to him this year. If you just compared Alex Smith to Jimmy Garoppolo, I am offended. I know. Chris Perfett, I am offended. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you two back. <laughs> the love for Alex Smith remains one of the weirdest things to me. I, whatever. 
We we know exactly why he does. He's he's got a, a ligament a connection to him. <laughs> if, oh god, I never want to see that like again. Travis right, Kelsey's really good though. Oh okay. I, I I'm I'm just I'm very excited for this part of the podcast. This is my favorite part of the podcast. Oh yeah. I am I am my my stomach is aching a little bit, but I'm gonna try to do this right. And don't uh, forget team names this time. Yeah, no, the problem is I don't have all the team names up in front of me, so I might blank on one. You know how I am. My memory is crap. My memory Hunter is with the Patriots. I know Hunter Henry's with the Patriots. Thank you. I know Hunter Henry well, is with the Patriots. It's a tricky one. I'm just, I'm I, just I know, making sure you don't get tripped up. I'm out for, I'm, I'm out here supporting. And, okay. and, and his ACL is intact. So you can just, you can introduce him as Hunter Henry Shut ACL intact. Up. Shut the bleep up. <laughs> Number 10, Hunter Henry, terror of POD, New England Patriots. Number nine, Mike Gesicki, who I still can't pronounce properly, Miami Dolphins. Number eight, Kyle Pitts, Ryan Matthews' favorite, Atlanta Falcons. Hold on, I've got something in my nose. <laughs> Number, uh, just to be clear, just to be clear, yeah. Kyle Pitts, my favorite, Atlanta Falcons, not my favorite. Very important we get that right. <laughs> Number seven, Noah Fant, Denver Broncos. Number six, Dallas Goddard, Philadelphia Eagles. Number five, Mark Andrews, Baltimore Ravens. Number four, and totally not local bias, TJ Hawkinson, Detroit Lions. I bless the rains down in Africa. Number three, Darren Waller, Las Vegas Raiders. Number two, George Kittle, San Francisco 49ers. And number one, Travis Kelsey, Kansas City Chiefs. That's your tight end list, list cast. The year 2021, we will be wrong as always. Next year, Jeremy will probably have this list ready to go for us to hold our feet over the fire on everything we've gotten wrong. Especially Hunter, Hunter Henry, Henry, number one. You stop that. You stop I can't, that right now. I can't, I can't wait to introduce 2021 Jeremy Reisman to 2022 Jeremy Reisman when he puts Kyle Pitts in the top four. <laughs> hey, it will, you know, second year. Whole different ballgame <laughs> for a tight end. Wow. You'd be like, well, it's all about projections. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Like, we got to be careful about the projection thing because that is a a hard out to just do whatever kind of hot take nonsense as was proven by how do, do, do people want Hamza's uh, list just, just to show what he's been trying to do to our list cast. Uh, yeah, let's, let's give Hamza a, a quick shout out. And in fact, I can show you guys everyone's list if you want. Yeah. For the do Twitch audience, for those at home, since we are still recording, he put Eric Ebron, number 10, number nine, he put Dan Campbell, Eight, Sean Robinson. Seven, J.J. Watt. Six, Kittle. Five, Vernon Davis. Four, Kelvin Benjamin. Three, Jason Cabinda. Two, Brandon Pettigrew. Is Pettigrew still in the league? No. No. Okay. no. <laughs> and one, it's E.J. Hawkinson. Like, Hamza, you are the fly in our, in our Moscow mule. I, th the there's, so, there's so many things about this list, like J.J. Watt, former Central Michigan tight end. Uh, J.J. Watt, as everybody knows him. But, like, Kelvin Benjamin. Hamza, are these fat jokes? 
<laughs> they seem, they seem yeah, like that just, I'm trying to figure out how Vernon Davis at, ends up on this list. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. I think he got his wires crossed and he thought that this was a legacy ranking. <laughs> no, it can't be. Jason Cabinda's number three. Is this the first time Gronk has not been on our list? I think so. I think last year I had him on my list and you guys got mad at me. And you guys probably turned out to be right. He yeah. was okay. He wasn't. He, he wasn't was top ten. Right, really. but he wasn't top ten. Yeah. Until the Super Bowl happened. Yeah. Then then we got vintage Gronk. He got on the good stuff for that game. You can't prove me wrong on that. All right. Download the podcast, the POD cast coming this week. Later, we're going to have a uh, a surprise interview again. Can we even say who it is, Jeremy? Or uh... I mean, it, it would take a spectacular falling through for it not to happen. So I, okay. I don't know. Huh. Um, you know what? Subscribe. Subscribe. You'll find out. Follow us on Twitch. Follow us on twitch.tv slash pride to Detroit. We're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with this list cast. So I'm at Christopher Fed on Twitter. Jeremy's at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews, still without a check mark, is at Ryan underscore POD. And uh, guess what? We'll see you star side. Oh.